My name's Shaquan, but a lot of people know me by my other name, Mad Skills. I'm an MC. My name is Mad Skills. Now let's make some noise. I'm a DJ. Oh, yeah. I'm a ghostwriter for some of your favorite rappers. I'm not about to tell you who, though. Oh. But most importantly, I'm a hip-hop enthusiast. Hip-hop confessions is raw, unfiltered conversations with my friends revealing things that they didn't like, never knew about, I don't know, or never got into about hip-hop culture. So sit back. Oh, come on, y'all. Turn up the volume. Hip-hop. And listen to hip-hop confessions. Because everybody's got one. Here's a little story that must be told. And it goes a little something like this. this, this, this. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? This is your boy, Mad Skills, and this is Hip Hop Confessions, the podcast, my podcast where I bring on my friends, family, uh, hip hop lovers and connoisseurs alike, and we all talk hip hop and we all discuss things that maybe we've never told anyone or unpopular opinions. Uh, This guy that I have on the podcast today is a good friend of mine. Um, I haven't known him as long as I've known everybody else. Um, but this guy is probably one of, you know, one of the most hip hopiest hip hop, hip hoppers that I know. Um, he is a philanthropist and a tech entrepreneur, a television star, producer extraordinaire, a musician. And last but not least, this guy is a hip hop artist, which probably brought all of those things to life. Uh, I can't believe I got him on here. We made it happen. Y'all give it up for my brother. The founder of the Black Eyed Peas. Make some noise for Will I Am. Let's go. What up, Skills? Chilling, bro. Staying creative. Yeah. Trying to do as much as I trying to do as much as I can with without uh watering myself down or sp- spreading myself too thin. Right. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> First off, let's let let's just let me just I just want to get a couple things out the way, man. After eight years. Bro, and not being, you know, uh, you guys, you app and taboo, you know what I'm saying, stepping back and taking a hiatus from music. After eight years, how does it feel to be back on the charts again uh, with one of the biggest Latin albums of the year, uh, Translation? Like, how, tell me how that even came about. That was, uh, that was probably the hardest mountain we had to climb, you know. Getting on, you know, be going from working with Easy E, he passing away, then starting the Black Eyed Peas in 1995, and then getting signed to Interscope in 1997, and then putting our first record out in 1998. Right. That journey from 1992 to 1998, that's six years. Yes. And those six years, I mean, to take eight years off, that's longer than it took to even get on. Right. <laughs> right. So that was uh that was a scary because I love music so much. That was a scary try to that was a, t- a scary attempt to try to figure out a way to get back to be able to pack arenas and stadiums. Right. And we got there. You know, it took from 1998 to and. 2010 we were playing stadiums i've been to some of those shows so from there that was that was and we got dropped in 2018 like we got dropped in 2019 let's let's just let's just let's just stop right there i can't have i got dropped in 1996 but i didn't sell any records like that i can't imagine getting dropped 
and selling the amount of records that y'all sold. Because y'all sold records when people were still buying records. That's insane to me. Yeah, we uh <clears throat> we got dropped for for like insane reasons. Okay, all right. Like it, they, it had they, nothing to do with record sales. It couldn't have because y'all were still selling records. No, it's Black Eyed Peas as a trio, maybe to Interscope was, you know, not the configuration that is associated with millions and millions of streams, hundred tens of hundreds of millions, billions of streams. Right. And when if you if you take the amount of money they owed us after we audited them versus what they probably thought we were going to make in the streaming world, they probably it didn't make sense for them. Cut their losses. Makes sense. I got you. Um and they owed us like buckets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not bags. Buckets. buckets. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it, but it hurt, right? That that was a blow to my heart. Because we were on Jimmy, Jimmy's your friend. Y'all are friends. This is not just, oh, this is the president of the label. And like you and Jimmy have other businesses together. And like y'all are friends. So yeah, but I remember like we got signed to Interscope. And Sony Music offered us $1 in 1997. And Jimmy offered us He's like, look, you can sign with Interscope for I mean, for Sony for dollars but i guarantee you if you don't sell records that'll be the last record you ever sell sign the interscope which is still a lot of money for a rap group and no matter how many records you sell you can always make records at interscope so that's that nation is on point (laughs) that sentence that whole conversation is stuck it's etched in my my cloth my spirit of why we signed the Interscope. And so, you know, we went through all these valleys of Black Eyed Peas, you know, our first record behind the front did really cool for like a backpack, underground, jazzy, hip hop group. You know, we, I love Tribe, I love Dayla, I'm a son of Tip. I know. Um, uh, I lo- my, my, the record that made me realize, holy shit, was De La So Is Dead, Saturdays. I'm like, five days work, one whole day to play. Come on, everybody. Like that songwriting, I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? Sorry, you can't. Like melodic, melodic, jazzy, hip hop flips. Like, yo, right, that, new, that's new like world. the, that was the blueprint for me. And then, um, not the blueprint, KRS-One's blueprint, then Jay-Z's blueprint, just my blueprint. I, I, I know. And then when I, um, you know, and then all the other songs that I liked, I like Girl I House You, like house dance music, but hip-hop's version of it. And right. Give Me Body, like Queen Latifah's house song. And then, um, you know, Heavy D's, you know, Now That We Found Love. And then Teddy Riley's, like, his his ingredients and his like addition to hip hop starting off with the show like hip hop is so diverse but for some reason we forgot all the different colors kwame you know all these different colors redhead kingpin redhead one all these different things from like do the right thing 
yeah, do the right thing. Like, there were so many different colors, bro. For and me, so for me eyed, bro, I, I not to cut you off, but for me, this is this is nostalgic for me because I know how much I know how hip hop you are. Like just just from the records you just named, I know how hip hop you are. And I don't know if a lot of people understand that. You know what I mean? Because you have it instilled in your DNA from Jump Street. You know everything, everybody. And and it's just, I already know this conversation is gonna be amazing, but carry on, carry on. I'm I'm still with you. I'm listening. So that that's my <clears throat> That's my makeup from hip hop to house to hip hop melodic to beat making from Herbie Lovebug to, you know, Premier yeah. to Dilla to all the different Alicia Hill Muhammad's, you know, high tech. Like, yeah, bro. Like I liked I studied all of all of the approaches, right? Like uh, like a math problem. Mm-hmm. I studied all the approaches like chemistry, like every every combination has a different result. And I like to. I wanted to hit everywhere, me and Apple, the app, he comes from the Philippines. I come from an all Mexican neighborhood. I fleek. I speak fluent Spanish. I could write in Spanish because that's how I grew up. Right. And, and if you from East L.A., you know that black and Mexicans didn't really get along. And you were, in Boyle, our, you were in Boyle Heights. Yeah, in Boyle Heights. So blacks and Mexicans always had this feud, but my family in the neighborhood was all love. Right. Right. And um, so our whole premise was to go as big and wide as far as possible. And so when people are like, yo, I like your black eyed peas when y'all was underground, man, like joints and jams and shit. I'd be like, yo, nigga, have you even listened to the fucking lyrics, bro? The shit said, we about mass appeal, no segregation, got black to Asian and Caucasian. What part of that lyric don't you understand what we was <laughs> right. trying to fucking I do? I was shooting for it from <laughs> jump, right. You know what I mean? And then, like, on our first video, Falling Up, we were pioneers. Like, what we had, like, we was out in the fucking forest and the woods and shit in Colorado. And there's a scene where it's like East Coast, West Coast, and we went up. We didn't go left. We didn't go right. We didn't take the normal path. We went up with it. And our whole our whole premise was was to to blow the fuck up. Like right. lar- large. That was the plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> in case motherfuckers don't understand it, that was the plan. No, because I just didn't want to be. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to be the dude that came from the projects, moved out, and then figuring out a way to not go back to the projects. I didn't, I didn't want a, a rewind button. I didn't want to, I didn't want reverse. Right. And you came from that. You don't want to go back to it. And, I, I, but I want to go back to it to bring solutions. Right. So th- this has everything to do with like, why translation was was such a like I told y'all like we still got it right because when we was when we took that eight year break I didn't think it was going to be eight years first off 
Nobody ever thinks they're going to be going that long. So, and every year I would listen to freaking, do you ever think about when you out of here? Like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this nigga said $200 love seat. I'm like, nigga, that was large back then. That was big. That was big. $200 <laughs> love seat out of here. Like, <laughs> Remind and, me, I got something to tell you about that whole thing later, that whole KRS project. And so that 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 record is still one of my favorite records of all time. And I like, damn, do you ever think about when you're out of here? Like, I don't ever want to be out of here. Right. I don't ever want to have like not from the perspective of songs playing on the radio and niggas checking for your shit. Right. Just I don't want to be out of here, meaning like I have to worry about my lifestyle. Right. I don't ever want to have to worry about, man, how can I get that thing that I really want? Like, I want to be able to have an idea and be able to execute it without having to worry about who's going to put me on and help me out. Right. That's that's one thing about the Black Eyed Peas after Easy e passed away. We don't have a cosign. Right. There's nobody that ruthless. Y'all was on ruthless. I remember that. So we was on Ruthless, but then when he passed away, nobody put us on. It's not like most folks like, yo, who put that nigga on? Oh, such and such. Yo, who put that nigga on? Oh, he came up like Jay-Z came up through through the jazz. No, no and cosign Jay- when he passed. We didn't have no cosign. So when it comes to black eyed peas and 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 in the world, we kind of like we we floating. Because we never had that, like, we never had that cosign. And a cosign meant everything in 1993, 94. Like, it meant the world. If you came in under someone else's shoulder or someone else's wing, like, that was all. It wasn't guaranteed success, but it was at least a guaranteed look and a chance. And how press and how the press, like, covered you. Yeah. Because you came from this camp and this person put you on and this person's vouched for it. No different than go get a bank loan. Right, right. Hey, nigga, co-sign for me for this. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get this one piece. <laughs> now, speaking, speaking of co-signs and press, and we were just talking about y'all guys being on Ruthless. I got, because, you know, I've been at this shit just as long, if, if not longer. So for me, I got three words for you. And it, I just want to know the first thing that comes to your mind, because I I knew you you were in the same vicinity with these people but a lot of people don't know that blood of abraham oh ben yard and mazik now ladies I, and gentlemen i, I could walk of, down the hallway and ben yard's right over down the hallway get the get out of here he yo, works but, with you now yo ben yard did meet me halfway video he directed i got a feelings video ben yard did don't stop the party video ben yard did uh what other videos did he do? Wow. He did He did Scream and Shout, the song I did with Britney. He did uh he did that wow. power, the one I did with Justin Bieber. Like me and Ben is like this, like this. Now, now, okay, for context, for people who might not know, when I say Blood of Abraham, Blood of Abraham was a rap group that was also signed to Ruthless that was two white Jewish rappers. Yeah, we have a song. We the only cats that have a song with Easy. It's called Niggas and Jews. It's myself, Easy E, and Blood Abraham. Niggas no. and Jews. Google that shit right now. 
the fact that he still oh man that's so crazy for me because that was one of those stickers or one of those ads that i would always see in the source but the music never dropped like i never knew where the music was i just always saw the ad and no, i knew we, we all, all were in the same camp yeah we was like uh, blood abraham came out they had an album out and we would we would travel around like la northridge san diego and open up for them <laughs> and then when it, when Easy passed away, I recorded, we recorded our demo in, in Ben's bedroom. And the whole wow. thing was like, yo, produce our next record, which is a idolatry. And you could, you could produce, you know, your songs in exchange. Wow. So I had to learn how to use the MPC. Um, I was like, I'll figure it out. Don't trip. Don't trip. I'll figure this shit out. So he bought he bought an MPC back in two thousand. Sorry, back in nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety five. I like mastered the MPC, like chopping up beats, truncating, making two of my beats. And right. then I got a then I got a Rhodes, and I learned how to play the keyboard and shit. And uh, and I produced Idolatry while I was producing um, Black Eyed Peas demo. Wow. <clears throat> Uh, and then we recorded. We recorded at uh, LMFAO, Stephen Gordy's house, and uh, so, so everybody that Barry everybody Gordy's that, son. Yeah, I, I went to junior high school with a cat. Me and Stephen went to junior high school together out in Palisades and Parivere. But Benyard, that dude's like, like I said, we thick. Like we 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 talked every day. We worked together. That's so dope. Yeah. I never, I, yeah, I always wonder whatever happened to them. Like, yeah, people me. always say, like, don't do business with your friends. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I would always respond, if you can't do business with your friends, then you got some fucked up friends. Facts. <laughs> that's, no, that's all facts. Like, you got some fucked up, you pick some fucked up motherfuckers as friends, bro, if you can't do business with them. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Sorry, right, so let's get into it. I don't, cause I don't know if you have one, if we weren't prepped. I didn't prep you, but the name of the show is Hip Hop Confessions, um, and we talk about things that most people might not want to talk about. We confess things that might people might not want to know. Uh, to give you a context of it, my first hip hop confession, and I, it's still true to this day, and I still get shit for it, is that I have never listened to an Outkast album in full. Like, I've never heard it. So if Outkast didn't have a video for the song, you could play it right now. And I don't know that song. I never, in all these years, I've never listened to an Outkast uh, album. Oh, so, wow. do you have a hip hop confession? I have a couple of them that are. Cause I got one that I'm gonna delve into after you talk about yours. I could, I'm gonna say something that is, I, I don't wanna say it in a disrespectful way. Okay. It's not disrespectful. Like, you know. Like when people say uh, Tupac and Biggie. Okay. I was such a tribe, I'm such a tribe called Quest De La Soul head. Right. That I don't like Tupac and Biggie. Like that kind of music doesn't speak to my spirit. Right. Got you. Got you. So when it's a conversation like that, it's, I like, I like Boogie Down Productions, mm -hmm. KRS-One. I like, if it's like Tupac or Biggie, I'm like KRS-One. Right. Why, why those two? Why those two? I'm going to the source. I'm going 
prior. Right. If it's Tupac and Biggie, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't hold them up like that. Right, right, right. I hold, I hold, Rakim, Eric being Rakim up like that. Right. That's so, my goal. That's my goal. That's if I got a top I, five, Rakim is one. And because, and Tupac's dope. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, no, I don't, no I'm, it's not. It's not like I don't think he's dope. It's just the music didn't speak to coming him. from. It spoke to the projects. My escape is De La Tribe out the projects. It took me out of the projects Mine too. while I was still in the projects. Mine too. Right. Not only did it take me out of the projects, it literally, but, but it took me out of the projects physically, as far as like being able to like reach my dreams. That was my path out. Right. And it took me out of the projects as far as while I was in the projects, the, 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 the worlds it painted for me. Mm-hmm. And it kept me safe while I was in the projects. Had I loved Tupac and Biggie while I was in the projects, I probably would have been stuck in the project still. Right. I got you. I, 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 now, I can understand that. I know what you're saying when you say that. Because so, uh, you, you, you stumbled onto a different artist that painted different pictures for you. That that helped you dream, you know what I'm saying? Like I tell people all the time, I got discovered by Q-Tip. There would be no mad skills if there wasn't no Q-Tip. So, like, and I met Pharrell at a Q-Tip concert outside rapping. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the lineage in Virginia. You know, it comes from a place where we, me and me and me and P are probably like the biggest Tribe Called Quest fans ever. You know? No, nah, nigga, like, I am. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> you, you complete yeah. the trifecta. You know what I'm saying? Yo, but you yeah. was a god to us. Yeah, bro. He's so to me, I can't. My confession is I I don't like that. Right. So people could be like, well, you ain't a hip hop pick because you don't fuck with Q tip or either or Biggie. I'm like, no, actually, I fuck with Q tip too heavy to even really to even uh, fuck with anything uh, else. Yeah. Yeah. Or anything that vibrates, it vibrates different. Right. It vibrates differently. I get you. I get you. Now, for me... And I try, and I try to say that in the most respectful way possible. No, no. I, 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 and, I, and I think people will take it in a respectful way. Like, that music didn't speak to you. And the thing about it is, when people ask me about Outkast, they're like, Skills, you in Virginia? You never fucking listen to Outkast? I said, bro, I was heavily East Coast influenced. It was Black Moon, J-Rue, Gangstar, Nas, like... I didn't I didn't hear that in Virginia. Like I, I didn't yeah. hear about Outcast till later. Like, and by the time it popped, I was I was rapping in. So now I'm looking at motherfuckers as competition almost. Like I gotta get on too. So it and just never crossed my radar. And being on Ruthless, Easy signed us not because we was trying to be gangster. Like he knew what projects I was from. Mm-hmm. He was like, I nigga wheel, like you over there by the Mexicans, nigga. And uh, nigga, I know all them essays, nigga. Them essays know you, nigga. And uh, just being around easy at 16 years old, 17 right. years old, and rolling and seeing BG knockout and and the dress, yeah, right. All them cats, I, 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 I understand like a 
cholos and essays. I understand Crips and Bloods and Black Eyed Peas, even though people don't even associate it with that world. That's that yeah, was, that was my world. That was my Black Eyed Peas became my like outfit to to keep myself safe while I was surrounded by that world. Right. And when you want to, when you want to change your life and you want to change your family's life and you want to move out of there to then to one day go back there and, and, and solve problems and give a different path for kids. I, it was tribe and De La was therapeutic. It was kind of a refuge. It was my, uh, my Calvary. Right. It, it, it served. Totally it, it. You know what I mean? As, so, so as an exec, like as as Easy as an executive, what did you learn from him when you when you got your own company and you got your own label and artists? Like, what did you learn from him as an executive? Because I think people don't really give him a lot of credit as Easy the executive. If Easy E never passed away, I don't think there would be a Tupac the way we know Tupac. Because naturally, Easy and Dre would have combined and NWA together. would have got back together. Again. Right, of course. And if Dr. Dre would have got back together, if Easy E, if NWA got back together like that, the conversation of Tupac and Biggie probably wouldn't be different. Totally different. And if and if Easy E was still alive, everything, the dynamics of the dynamics of Puffy would probably have changed. Because Puffy became the executive. Right. The first Easy superstar e, executive. Easy E, imagine his growth. What type of superstar executive Ooh. he would have been if he never passed away in 1995. Right. right. Like 1995 was a pinnacle year of like hip hop's growth and explosion where the executive became the superstar. Well, shit, where Easy E would have been, he would have hit naturally that energy that force would have took up too much space right right nwa bro he's not just he wasn't just it wasn't just like some rapper dude from la like he birthed a whole genre right facts not just not just where black and crips and bloods fucked with essays fucked with the nwa right and essays probably and cholos probably would have what whatever happened with, with, with Tupac's growth, it easy would have absorbed that, especially if it was if he if he linked back up with Dre. Right. It, that would have it, been the, dyna the, the dynamics of culture would have changed. So what I learned from Easy was you don't have to follow what you think people are expecting from you. Mm -hmm. So Easy E was like, oh, okay, blood um Okay, Beastie Boys is popping off. Here's my version of Beastie Boys meets Public Enemy. It's this Jewish radical group, this Hebrew group called Blood Abraham. When I say radical, just they, their, their, their thoughts and their lyrics were, they pushed you to think different. Mm -hmm. Never came out, but um, Future Prophets and Idolatry are some of the you know, dopest albums that were made out of L.A. Those are L.A. kids. And uh, so that was one of my first, you know, realizations of Easy es open-mindedness. Right. Like why, would he, why would he be fucking with a Jewish rap group? And then, why would he be fucking with us? Like, why, <laughs> right. did, he why, why did he fuck with us so hard from 
1992, three, four, five. Yeah, we never came out, but I was always up in the mix at Ruthless and the Ruthless parties. Always put, put he put us in the studio every summer because he signed us as high school kids. Right. So we were in the studio summer of 92, summer 93, summer 94. And before summer 1995, he passed away. So he taught me to have an open mind and, and, and acknowledge that talent is not always the same shape, same form, same smell. And right. you want to, you want to rock with different disciplines and different frequencies. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's dope, think, man. think, think about like JJ fad shit. JJ fad helped me. That was, thank you so much, JJ fad for supersonic. Fergie and Fergalicious wouldn't have happened without that shit. Like, <laughs> and Terry B, there, there was this white girl that there was this white girl that Easy E signed. Yeah, I remember her named Terry B. So, if you think of like, if you think of from Supersonic to, you know, um, a song only if you want tick. Yes, I really want tick. Right. Um. If you think of like just me as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, like sponging up easy from, from a distance and watching everybody from Michelle A, uh, even though Dr. Dre was heavily, you know, had his hand in producing all that stuff. And just the moves, I, Black Eyed Peas is my interpretation of the moves I saw being made and, and executed it my way, um, obviously with my other influences fused in with that. but. I learned a lot from Easy. Andre, man, he had listen, bro. He had, and you was probably around this time too. He had signed these girls called Holes with an Attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HWA. The main girl was so fucking bad, bro. I had that poster up in my room. She was so fucking bad, and that was the first time I remember being that age and seeing like a milf. Like I was like, "Yo, she bad." <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um. So for me, all right, so for me, my hip-hop confession, because sometimes I do some and sometimes I don't, and this one is directly related to you, so I, I'll definitely do it. Um, we are, me and you have a mutual friend, which is how I met you. Uh, it was a guy um, in Virginia that I was rapping on a radio station, and he called the radio station, and he said, Joe, man, uh, I rap. And I said, cool, let me hear you spit. And he spit some bars over the warm line on the radio station. And I was like, yeah, man, you dope. You should come down to Richmond and fuck with us. And he was like, at that moment, you said that. And my life changed. I, I went to VCU. I picked a college in this town that you lived in just so I could be around you. His name was Bucky Reds. I'll never forget him. And then years later, I reconnect with him. That's a whole nother story. I reconnect with Bucky Reg. He's like, yeah, come through my studio, man. I'm skills. I'm like, you my OG, brother, pull up. And I'm like, all right, I'm in LA and I'm actually working with Dre. I was out here writing some stuff for Dre. And I go to Bucky Reg's studio, who is now, he, he had changed his name. His name now is John Baptiste. So I go to John Baptiste's studio. It's Grammy weekend. LA is jumping, it's popping. And everything's on, on, on tilt. And I'm just in the studio, we playing songs, we cutting records, and then you popped up. You popped up, I can't remember what year this was, it might have been 2014. 
you popped up at the studio. He's like, yo, this is my man, Will. And you see me, he was like, oh, shit, what's up, man? Skills. I'm like, oh, shit, what's up, Will? You like chilling, bro. Like, what y'all motherfuckers doing? It's like, yo, we just playing some songs and shit. And I remember us being, he had a studio on Melrose. Oh, Melrose. And I remember us being on the balcony of his studio. And you could look down on Melrose. And you pulled up in a fucking car. And I swear to God that the car was floating. Like I couldn't see the wheels on the car. So I'm looking, he's like, yeah, that's Will. And I'm like, Will, I'm thinking Will Smith or some fucking body. I know Will Smith, he don't even drive himself around. You get out the car and I just remember looking at the car like, what the fuck is that? Like, I didn't even hear it come up. And you was like, what's up? I'm coming upstairs. You come upstairs. You was like, what the fuck y'all doing? He was like, yo, we listened to some songs and shit. You was like, yo, come roll with me. And he was like, you say skills, you want to go? And I was like, yeah, cool. We go downstairs. We get into this car that looks like a freaking spaceship to me. I don't hear the car cut on. I don't hear you touch the ignition. Nothing. I still, to this day, don't know what kind of car it was. And I remember you had your own logo on the car. And I was like, I asked you, I said, yo, is it like, where'd you get this car from? And it fucked me up because you said, I made it. And I was like, okay, we, I'm in a fucking car with, with my homeboy, my young, my young boy from back home and Will I Am. We get in the car, we ride now Melrose. And you was like, yo, I got to go to this party real quick. I mean, I'm going to be in and out, like, but like, just, just roll with me. We was all like, cool. And you started playing KRS-One, The Blueprint, in the car. I think we listened to that and we listened to EPMD. And I was sitting in the car going, this got to be the most hip hop moment of my life. Like I'm in a, I'm riding in a, a literally a spaceship, <laughs> Will I Am, and we're listening to EPMD and KRS-One. We get to this party, we go down this hill, it's all in these hills, we get to this party, and uh, we walk into the party and I see this white guy that I used to always see at the Warriors basketball games. He was always the weird white guy with the vest on and the fucking cowboy hat. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, yo, that's the guy to be at the, the Warriors games. Like, like what, the, like what is happening? And, and me and Jean just rolling. You walk around the party. You speaking to people. You know what I'm saying? I saw Diplo. Dip, y'all shot the shit for a second. Saw a couple other people. I think Katy Perry was there and shit. And you was talking to Lil Yachty and shit. And we was like, all right, cool. And I'm looking at the house. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute. I seen this house before. I was looking around. I was like, oh, shit. This is the house in Charlie's Angels that's that Drew Barrymore fell out of in Charlie's Angels. And I'm yeah, sitting yeah. there going, like, what is my life right now? Like, I just went to John's just to listen to some beats. And now I'm riding in a spaceship with Will I Am. And we're we're at a house that don't even look like a house that I recognize from a fucking a movie. You did some business, you talked some shit, you was like, Yeah, I'm in and out. You was definitely in and out. We was there for all of 30 minutes, tops. We get back in the car, we drive back to the studio and you was like, all right, man, I'm gonna hit y'all tomorrow. And we was like, all right, cool. And you left and I still didn't hear the car. Like I never heard the car the whole night. I never heard the engine cut off. And I was like, 
I remember seeing you drive away and I was like, Will I am made his own car. Like, this is insane to me. Like, what is my life right now? I can't remember where it was 2014, 2013. It was, 20, it was 2012. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and we we were in the car having a straight hip hop it was so hip hop we i was you was like yo man we fucking try broke up bro that shit broke my heart bro and i was like man listen i was the same way with fucking epmd like and you was like oh shit eric in paris and you hit the thing and fucking so what you saying came on and we was just rocking and i was like la ain't supposed to be this hip hop but the guys i'm with cuz i knew john i knew he was on his hip hop shit that's when i really realized that you were way more hip hop than I ever thought you were. And I started paying attention to some of the patterns and some of the records that you had sampled and some of the things that you had done, even with the stuff being as successful as it was, I was like, man, that's one of the most hip hop motherfuckers I ever been around. I didn't been around a lot of people, like a lot of people. I'll never forget that night, bro. That night was epic. Yeah. I remember, I remember that night and John is like a brother. Um, a close friend, family member. I met him in 1998. He interviewed us. We were in DC and then uh, we did a show. We were opening up for the roots. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, wow, we opened up for the roots. They go, what the fuck? <laughs> so, because that was like, you know, we, in 1993, four, five, that's all I listened to was the roots right. and tribe and Daylock. And so I remember my girlfriend one time, she was like, happy birthday, Will. I got you tickets to see Tribe Called Quest. I'm like, no, 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 no. She's like, what do you mean? No. I'm like, I'm not supposed to see Tribe that way. She's like, what you mean? I was like, I'm not supposed to see Tribe as a civilian. I cannot (laughs) see Tribe as a pedestrian. I cannot see Tribe as the audience. I have to see Tribe you can't mess up my dream. She right. was like, I was just trying to get you, you know, tickets to see your favorite group. I was like, yeah, yeah, but I'm supposed to see them on the side of the stage. Right. Not in the audience. Not in the audience. You can't take that from me. Just let me try to accomplish that. <laughs> and so, so when we, when we finally, cause we opened up for the roots first. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yo app, we are on the way, bro. That dream's going to come true. We're going to be on the side of the stage watching Tripod fucking Quest, bro. That's the first time we're going to see them niggas perform. We're going to be right there on the fucking side of the stage after we open up for them. Right. right? And so when we opened up for The Roots, that was the same time we met John Baptiste. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said he had his group. And Infectious so every time organisms. we would, Yeah, every time we would go to D.C., every time we go to Philly, every time we go to Virginia, we hung out with John Baptiste. And uh, one day... In 2002, um, Outkast record, it was 2000, Sorry Miss Jackson was like big. Right. She was large. And then there's a light that shines, you know, Commons record. I'm like, yo, these shits some fucking Kiss FM? Right. <laughs> that shit to me was like, yo, wait, wait, wait. They playing Outkast on Kiss FM app. Right. They playing Common on Kiss, bro. That shit to me was like, yo, yo, it's on. They playing them shits on Kiss? Right. Get the fuck out of here, bro. It's It's on. It's a sign, right. So from that point, 
I told John Baptiste, I'm like, yo, bro, you need to come out to L.A. So John came back to L.A., came out to L.A. 2000. Uh, yeah, 2002, summer 2002. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, John, I got this fucking thing, bro. I got this plan. We going to fucking take it to the next, next, next. Common is on Kiss. Outcast was on Kiss. You understand how fucking rare that is, bro? Right. Yeah, it's one thing for Heavy D and and uh, Kid and Play and and Quilati. Yeah, that's I could safe. see that those were flukes. Right. But Outcast and Common on Kiss, bro. <laughs> like it's one thing for like Kwame and the polka dots, but ever since Biggie said, you know. You just played, played out, like, out like Kwame and fucking polka dots. <laughs> that was done for the weirdos, bro. <laughs> right. but that was the, he killed the weirdos <laughs> in one bar, <laughs> one bar. And I was one of the so probably one of the reasons why Biggie's not one of my favorites because I was one of them polka dot ass niggas. <laughs> <laughs> I took that shit personal. <laughs> I had polka dots on when that shit came out, bro. I'm like, oh shit. Because I had the Gumby this way, bro. So when that right. song came out, I was like, damn, oh, really? you fucked my whole vibe up. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yo, John, bro, like, come out. We're going to be in the studio. We're working on this record. We got to hear this thing. I got this song. We got this song with Justin Timberlake. He was like, Justin Timberlake? I'm like, yeah, bro. This shit's big. It's, I think it's going to go all the way. It's a song called Where's the Love? We got this other song. I think I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I was like, John, you know when you go to the basketball games, bro? They got, they always play, um, there's a song they always used to play on the basketball game. It was, uh, uh, um, digging, 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 uh, that right, shit, right, right, uh, right. I forgot the song. Uh, I forgot the original, but I know. Come, baby, come, baby, baby, come, come. That shit, right? Izzy Kamozi. I was like, yo, bro, there's a song they always play at the basketball game. I think that I think somebody needs to like aim at basketball events. Right. Not because these songs happen accidentally, but if you aim at them, just like you just like people like aim their bars to get like five stars. Right. Or aim their bar, aim their song to get played by such and such DJ. You could aim a song at a basketball event. Mm-hmm. So I got this song called Let's Get It Started. We got a song called Fucking Where's the Love. We got it. And everything that we did in 2002 was like aimed. We aimed at it. And, uh, and John Baptiste came and um, he stayed. He was like, yo, well, I think I'm going to move out here. I'm like, yo, John, just rock with us. So we helped him get his first publishing deal when he came out here. Right. And he's part of, part, part of the family. And so from 2002, the album came out 2003. 2004, Black Eyed Peas was... Corporates were calling us to do like private gigs. Right. And at that point in time, we were like, yo, bro, let's not do corporate gigs. Until GM offered us like... And then paid gave us... For free. And I'm like, yo, this deal, nigga, what? <laughs> and I just moved my mom. I I'm I got so pissed, right? Because that's when OK Player was like the place. Before there was Facebook, before there was MySpace, was OK Player. OK Message Player. Boards. Message right? boards. That was like hip hop had the blueprint. 
Hip hop had the blueprint. That's what got me in attack. What got me in attack was okay fucking player. Mm. Okay player was like, oh shit, there's this thing you go on, check us out, check out this room, bro. You go here to okayplayer.com, put the type in your little profile name, and Tyler Kwali's there, fucking Commons there, Erica Badu be up in there. And that right. was like the network. That was right. that was, was fucking Clubhouse media. before Clubhouse. Yes. Yes, it <laughs> so, was. So uh so we did this GM gig. They paid so I'm sorry, let me go back. I did the Dr. Pepper commercial. Mm-hmm. And before we did the commercial, Black Eyed Peas, before we did that commercial, we had a conversation, me, App, and Tab, like, I don't know, though, but is this a hip-hop drink, though? Sprite's the hip-hop drink. <laughs> <laughs> and so Taboo's like, yeah, yeah, but but Fife said, drink a lot of soda, so they call me Dr. Pepper. Like, we could do Dr. Pepper commercial. Fife dropped it in a lyric. And, right. and Busta Rhyme has Mountain Dew. And then we were like, yeah, but Sprite is the hip hop drink. You got the Tribe Called Quest Sprite Spot, the fucking P Rock Seal Smooth. You got the fucking Grand Poobah Sprite Spot. Like, MC Shan, KRS. MC Shan, right? So we was like, yo, fuck it. Let's just do the Dr. Pepper commercial. They paying us. So in, 600, in 2000, we did that, 2001, we did that Dr. Pepper commercial. That's how I moved my mom off the projects. But then when we went to fucking okplayer.com, Niggas was shitting on us like Black Eyed Peas sold out. They did the Dr. Pepper commercial, not the Sprite commercial. And from that point on, I was like, yo, this shit don't make no fucking sense. <laughs> How is a fucking drink more fucking hip hop than another fucking drink? Like, <laughs> especially when rappers is already fucking Fife said, drink a lot of soda. So they call me Dr. Pepper. Like, yo, that's hip hop. Did y'all miss that nigga? It's sad. So f- so from that point on, I was like, yo, fuck these rules, bro. These rules don't make no fucking sense at all. So when we did the GM thing, we was like, fuck it. Let's do this, do this GM thing. It's corporate. Right. So we do this gig. They give us. And then I saw this fucking. And that's how I did that gig. Helped pay for my mom's mortgage. I paid the Dr. Pepper commercial, bought my mom the house, out the projects. The GM gig two years later helped secure the mortgage for me to pay off the house. Right. And so then I'm like, cool, great. I move my mom out. We own the house. I don't ever have to worry about uh, we always foreclosure. Had a place to lay our head. Always. Right? So then I saw this doc. Then I saw this documentary called "Who Killed the Electric Car," and I watched it. And they talked about how GM purposely stifled the growth of the EV1 because the strategic manager said. If this car continues to grow, it'll threaten our combustible engine business. So they stopped it and they gave Hummer away for free. So I'm like, yo, they use this to fucking like drive around LA to inspire motherfuckers. Fuck this. I'm going to take this Hummer. I'm going to sell it. So I took it, sold it for. I took that. And at the end of that documentary, there's this car that pulls up and they said the future of electric cars. They're based out of San Jose. So in 2000. Three turning to 2004, I drive up to San Jose. I meet the two founders. I say, yo, I want to invest in your company. I take that and invest in this company. So that car that you saw me in, because I was one of the early investors, they would give me like incomplete cars to trick out. Right. So that car, I built it because I invested in this small company back in 2004. 2003 turned 2004 and 
if I was like, yo, give me a give me an incomplete car so I can have my guys trick it out. So I would go on tour and make some money. So instead of buying teeth or buying gold chains and shit, I would take my money and like build cars. So because in the hood, there's always a chop shop. Always. In every so hood. I was like, yo, I always wanted to fucking flip a bug or flip a fucking like Nissan truck or flip a fucking, you know, a Capri or MR2. Right. Or a Suzuki Samurai, whatever the fuck the, the car was at the moment. My dream was to always do that. Right. So now uh, they gave me the Roadster to flip back in 2008. So I flipped that one. And in 2012, before the sedan came out, I flipped that one. And so what you saw was my flip. And so that money that kept growing and growing and growing. And so I invested in Tesla like way before wow. Elon took it over. Right. And so to me, that's like the most hip hop thing to do is like sampling shit. Like, yo, yo, what, what song is this? Oh, nigga, that's my song. But really, that's James Brown's drums. Right. That's fucking uh, a Leonard Skinner fucking guitar riff. That's Clyde. That's fucking, you know what I mean? That's fucking Bob James keyboards all sandwiched together. That's our song. That's my song now. The same thing with the fucking car. Like that car, I, I made that car. Right. Why? Because I took elements that were incomplete and then added to it. But more importantly, own a piece of the company because I invested in it. A long ass time ago. Mm -hmm. So Tesla, so investing in Tesla in 2000, end of three, going to four, gave me the, the audacity to go to Jimmy in 2007 and be like, yo, we need to make our own shit, Jimmy. Let's make our own shit and use our music to sell it. And so Beats, he was like, yo, what, what, why don't we, remember that conversation we had last year when... I'm going to do headphones with Dre. You want to be a part of it? And what do you want me to do? I just need your brain. Whenever we have things, I need you to come into the office, dedicate some time and help us think through these hurdles. Right. So when we started Beats, that was my contribution to borrow my brain and, and, uh, and my, my history with Easy. Like, why would Dre fuck with me like that to right, be right. okay with me to be like the third equity shareholder in Beats? Right. Because of my lineage and my connection to Easy, and him being like, yo, this dude. Mm -hmm. Like, Dre could have picked anybody. He could have been like, nah, I don't fuck with Will I Am. That nigga, nah, nah, nah. Right, right. That ain't my <laughs> he type shit. Been, I do that. Ain't my, nah, do nah, that. nah, 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 nah. You know? And so... No, he saw that he saw the, you know, the my perspective and my out of the box thinking or sometimes into the box thinking. Yeah. And uh, so that car, I remember that day, that Bro, day was like, I never heard the car. That's the thing. I heard the music. I heard you talking. I heard John talking and we was talking so much hip hop. I never heard it. And it, it, it really fucked with me because when we got out and you, I couldn't see the wheels. The car was white and the tires and the rims was black. So it's at night. It just looks like the car is floating. 
And I'm sitting yeah. there like, yo, Will I Am has Will I Am is out here making fucking cars, bro. Like, what? Yeah. I, so if like, it, in 2012, like a Tesla was not. Everyone wasn't talking about Teslas in 2012. No. Um, and um, especially the sedan. The, the, they, they probably knew about the Roadster and they complained because not everybody fit in it. In the car, right. But yeah, so I, I always like to like, I like to, I borrowed from Easy to go out and find other things that you might not think fit, but they do. So I took that little nugget of perspective and go out and find like AI cats, people that create, you know, and build robots. That's why I went back to my hood. I got a robotics program teaching kids to build robots. I got an AI program, machine, uh, computer science program. I've, I've been doing my school in the ghetto that I'm from, Boyle Heights for 11 years now. I started off with 65 kids. Now I got over 1500 kids that I support. Um, I've sent kids to Brown, Dartmouth. I got kids going to UCLA, USC, Georgetown, and uh, yeah, bro. Like, it's a different, it's a different world. It's a literally from black and brown kids and what we can accomplish. Like, the music was the path for us in the past. Sports has always been the path. Robotics and computer science and, and entrepreneurship. Dre set beats, it set the tone. Like, look what we can build. Right. Look what we can do. We could we could build we could build companies that are worth billions. Like I like for me, I've always after <clears throat> like after 2012 and after meeting you with Jean and, and that night, I, I, I paid attention to everything that you've done. You know what I'm saying? Tech-wise, like the watches, you know what I'm saying, the the um the mask, the you know what I'm saying, everything that 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 you've done. And I remember, I remember being with Jazzy Jeff on tour, and we were uh I want to say in Dubai or something, and we were flying back to, to the States, super long ass flight. And you know, on on Emirates, it's like every seat is like first class. You got a 13 inch TV and it's fucking gazillion channels you can watch shit and i pulled up this documentary it was a will i am documentary and i was like i remember looking at it like he got a fucking documentary like about what i so i'm thinking i'm gonna click on it and it's about the peas and you know your your earlier years and and ruthless and all that shit and i look on it and it's all about this visual show that you were putting together a whole documentary about a visual show and um fucking super entertaining like super blew, blew my mind and, and I'll never forget it was it was this was early social media it might be early Instagram definitely Twitter was active but Instagram might have been early and I remember seeing you in a clip and somebody had posted it and you had a phone and you said you were talking, you had a brown hat on, I think you still had dreads. And you were like, you was like, yo, so what I'm gonna be able to do in a minute is I'm gonna be able to, you know, get my beat right on here. I'm gonna get my beat right here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna loop my sample. I'm gonna play my drums and I'm gonna do my little flow and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna hit a button and I'm gonna send this song that I just made on here to 
two to three million of my friends. I'm going to be able to do that. I'm going to do that shit. And I was just sitting there like, and you said, I'll never forget it. You said, and once I do that, once I make the song here, put my flow in and send it to all my friends, what the fuck do I need the studio for? And I was like, he's on to something. Like, I was like, this guy, and then it happened, and social media took off, kids started YouTubing, make, Soldier Boy became a fucking millionaire without leaving his room, you know what I'm saying? Like, the viral shit started happening, and I was like, I was like, that goddamn will. Like, he, he, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, he pays attention to things that most people don't pay attention to, and he sees it ahead of its time. Like, were you always like that? Uh, um, younger, yes, but not as pronounced as it is now. Right. So younger, I remember my mom, she would say like, boy, you need to pay attention in, in school and get them grades up. Mm-hmm. And this is, I don't mean to be um, irresponsible in saying what I'm saying to maybe some kids and their parents. And the relationship between other parents and their kids, I'm not trying to paint a path. <clears throat> um, but I had an experience where I would tell my mom, like, Ma, school isn't teaching me where I want to go. It doesn't give me anything for where I really truly do. I want to make music. She's like, well, you need to get your butt up out that studio because I used to go to the studio downtown and, and get, put your butt in them books and get, or get a job. I'm like, Ma, I have a job right now. I'm just not getting paid yet. Right. But eventually I'll get paid, Ma. Like, it's, I could get paid. And then I remember I used to tell my mom, I'm like, Ma, I don't have to have a diploma for people to work for me. I have to have a diploma to work for somebody else. Mm. And so <laughs> that's cold. That's cold. That's a bar. But yeah, because like it's 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 that rap brain of metaphors and similes and we all and have comebacks, right? It's like it's when you battling a nigga, you like who going first, nigga? You go first because I'm gonna take right. your shit. I'm gonna do flip, flip it better than you. <laughs> and when I'm done, the battle's over. <laughs> exactly. So that my mind is is that's how my mind is made up. So it's, it's taken me to be able to look at a problem and, and figure out other ways around it. Because most people be like, yeah, that shit's whack. Well, why is it whack? You got to tell me why it's whack. Because right. I don't fuck with it. But why, why don't, don't you fuck why with it? Why don't you fuck with it? Tell me what you're comparing it to in order for you to say or, or, or cross it off like, it, like it's not valuable. Right. That type of thinking is not futurist futurism. Mm -mm. So once you master that type of like analytical thinking and, 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 and like calculating all the different possibilities that are plausible plausibilities, you have that futurist thinking. So I, that I got that encouragement working at Shia day and their, in their uh, think tanks. So once we did that Dr. Pepper commercial, these brands wanted me to, you know, be a part of their think tank. So I remember back in like 2000 and we did Dr. Pepper 2001, 2002. Sorry, we did a Levi's commercial in 2000. I remember that. And I, and I asked him like, 
yo, who's doing the score for this? It was Fredro Starr and all these other folks. They did the internet film called Lost Change. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, yo, who's doing the score for it? And they're like, nobody. I was like, yo, let me score it. They're like, do you know how to score? I was like, yeah, I know how to score. And they got bullshit my whole Lying. way to get this gig. Lying like a motherfucker. So by scoring that, um, I took that. And because they paid for it, I now owned it. It wasn't through the record company. Right. So then I took that master of that score and took it to a company called BBE out of the UK. Yeah, Pete. And they, they, they had that, yeah, they had that beat generation. Yep. And so it was, they had Dillas, they had uh, Pete Rocks, and then mine. Mm-hmm. So my, my beat generation, Lost Change, came from a, a film that I scored with Fredro from Onyx. Wow. On it. And so from that point on, I was like, oh shit. All right, I figured it out. I'm going to go to different brands and have the brands pay for the content. So then I pitched this idea to Jamal Anderson. I'm like, yo, Jamal, let me score your feet. He's like, what? Like, nigga, listen, I'm going to score your feet. How many, how many weeks is physical training for the Falcons? He was like, 12 weeks. I'm like, all right, every week I'm going to score your feet. I'm going to do a, a soundtrack to your feet, bro, because eventually you're probably going to get a shoe deal. Mm-hmm. And for every week, that's, that's a song. That's 12 songs for this album. And when, you say, when they sell your shoe at Foot Locker, it's going to come with the album. Right. And it's never going to go through Sam Goody. It's never going to go through Virgin. It's never going to go shoes. through. It's coming with the shoes, bro. I'm going to do a soundtrack to your shoe, to your foot, which is then your shoe. Then he breaks his knee. So I'm like, fuck, there goes my fucking idea, bro. So then I, then I, then a friend of mine, Mike Jerkovic, takes me to Colorado. He was like, yo, Will, you know, Shy Day really likes all the stuff that you've been doing. He's like, yo, come up me to Colorado. We're going to meet the Coors family. So I'm like, all right, yo, I got this idea. He was like, great, save it for the meeting. So I go up there and I'm like, yo, I want to do a soundtrack to your beer. <laughs> so they were like, a soundtrack to a beer? I'm like, yeah. They're like, we're not in the music business. I'm like, you guys are in a music business. You just don't know it. Know it yeah. every, time, every time I go to a bar, they're playing music. And we only go to the, to the bar to listen to music and then buy drinks. Yep. So the fact that you don't see that you're in a music business as the product that's being sold while we're listening to music, then you don't understand the value of your product versus the, the, the method, the distribution of the right, music. Of your product, right. The, the CD is not the product. The CD is the distribution and the medium of what you listen to it in. The experience and the environment is the product. product. And while you're in that, that environment, that experience, they're selling your drink. Therefore, you're in the music industry. My pitch got me this thing and we called it Must Be 21. And Must Be 21, I got Fife on it. I was, they were like, what do you need to have? I was like, yo, give me a bag of money. And I'm going to get you an album. So I got my 10 collaborations. I gave Fife. I gave KRS-One. We all, and I literally put it in a bag, gave them their money, gave them the money. And the song right now, still to this day, is on um, Spotify, Apple Music. It's called Must Be 21. Mm -hmm. Both of these two albums, the Must Be 21 and Lost Chains, were paid for by brands. I own the masters. So from that perspective, I was like, yo, yo, yo. I'm going to learn all this shit that I got from 2002, 
2000, uh, 2001 and two, and I'm going to apply that shit to black eyed peas. So what did I learn from Shy Day? I learned from Shy Day that logo, font, color scheme, uh, uh, the theme, uh, and the sonics are, are all one. Mm-hmm. So EPMD, I'm like, yo, that's right. EPMD's logo is fucking badass. Run DMC's logo is badass. There's only a couple of fucking brands that had dope ass Tribe Called Quest fucking little, the little stick, stick figure, figures. Figure. <laughs> the shit was fucking dope as fuck. De La So's Dead album covers are probably the best one out of all eight. And the little flower pots, that one is fucking genius as shit. Black Eyed Peas, we gotta like, because at that point in time, we wasn't really dialed in on the branding of it all. Right. So when we did, when we did Ella Funk, I called Shepard Fairy. I'm like, yo, Shep, Shepard Fairy did our, our, our artwork for behind the, sorry, uh, Ella Funk and Monkey Business. So that's where we started applying like what I learned from Shy Day into the Black Eyed Peas, like that brand building. Right. Hip hop taught me how to, how to think and dream and execute and manifest and, these are the words that I manifest. I manifest. It taught me how to like, it taught me how to change my environment and sample shit. Right. And, and, uh, and, you know, take it to the next. But this, for some reason, something happened. Something happened like, okay, player should be bigger than Facebook in my mind. Facts. Facts. It's just, it's just what's what's so crazy is it's just a, a, a an aesthetic of sometimes we don't think big enough or we always want to seat at somebody else's table. It's funny that you even mentioned OK Player, right? It's because I just I was just talking to Amir before we started this Zoom, um, and Amir put up a post about uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because today you know they announced the Jay Z. And uh, LL Cool J are going into the rock, and they got nom- they're in, so they're going wow. to be at the ceremony. So I think it's just like the Go Go's, uh, uh, Jay Z. The only hip hop motherfuckers is Hove and, and and LL, right? So me me and Amir have went back and forth for years because he's so Amir always cared about, uh, you know the um the review, the write up. Like he would be like, oh man, you know. Uh, I just hope we get X amount of stars in Rolling Stone. And I'll be like, motherfucker, you might want to worry about them mics in the source. Like, fuck, fuck Rolling Stone. Like, that ain't our shit. So every time Amir posts some shit, I, I always come back with the man. Like, like you just want to, I don't, Amir, you just want to seat at the table, man. Like, fuck that. So today he says, you know, I'm so glad LL made it in. Like, I don't have to, you know, because LL had been trying to, they, they had, he got nominated like six times. Like, I'm like, bro, Carol King just got in and she's been making music longer than we've been a fucking live. Yeah. So I go on, you know, on the text, I go, yo, I'm here. Like, yo, there you go again. Like just wanting to seat at the table. He was like, well, and he says skills until we get our own shit, this is going to have to do. And I was like, I said, yeah, but when we get our own shit, motherfucker, we not putting the Rolling Stones in the hip hop hall of fame. Like, fuck that. Like, in order to be in our shit, you got to be directly related to our shit. Like, Bob mm. James, we should let him in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame because without yeah. his samples, without <laughs> his music, we wouldn't be around. You know what I'm saying? But, motherfucker, we not putting goddamn the Go-Go's in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame? Like, fuck that shit. Like, 
So stop begging to be at a seat at the table and shit. So me and him going back and forth, and I was just like, that's just Amir being Amir. But I understand what you're saying. Like, okay, player had its pulse on the on, on the it had its finger on the pulse way before we even knew what it was. And for yeah. me, I've always told my friends, for me, the only reason I've been able to stay relevant this long and, and still not have to go and punch somebody else's clock is because of a good idea. Like good ideas have taken me a long way. So I try to have good ideas, whether I have money or not to execute them, I try to have good ideas more often than not. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I, I tip my hat to a person like you because you can have an idea and you actually can try it and, and, and shoot that shot. And be like, this isn't correct. Let's try it again. I'm going to hire this guy. Oh, that guy didn't do it right. I'm going to hire this guy. And you keep pushing into your ideas, come into the world and do what they do. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss, but you never stop shooting. And I love that about you, bro. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Um, it's that fearlessness. Most people are afraid to, shoot because they don't want to miss in public. Right. Most people like don't want to jump because they don't want to fall on their face in public. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much fail, uh, fear to fail that they rather um, not try at all. Right. Uh, or have the, the facade of, of trying, but not really giving it their all. Right. So me, I'm like, <clears throat> nigga, ain't nothing. What the worst is going to happen? Right. I'm going to fall on my face. I'm going to lose some loot. I'm going to get clowned. Nigga, I was clowned in being the only black dude in the all Mexican neighborhood. Nigga, I was broke before. Like, I, I know <laughs> what it feels like. I know what it feels like to lose and, and, and not get love or like be neglected. I know those feelings. I'm not afraid of those feelings. Right. I'm not afraid of the, the humiliation because the reward, do you know what the reward is? Right. <laughs> like if I had to be like, yo, uh, yo, bro, maybe we shouldn't put Fergie in the group. Why? Because our original fans ain't going to like it. Right. Okay, what's the worst case scenario? Well, the worst case scenario is we get dropped. But they, they've been talking about dropping us for years, though. Right. Okay, what's the, what's the other worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is your fans ain't going to fuck with you no more. But they, but they like our, our last two records, though. So they ain't going to stop liking them. Right. <laughs> Those so, are already out in the marketplace. So what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is, well, those, those, those are the, those are the two. Okay, cool. Now let's, let's ask another question. Is she dope? Can she sing? Yeah, she can sing. Can she, is she, uh, can she sing like such and such? No, she can't sing like such and such. But can she sing like, cause she sing though. Can she sing the songs we wrote? Yeah, definitely can sing the songs we wrote. But that's all we should care about. Right. If she can execute what we do, we don't need her to execute what they do. We need her to do what we do. We need to, yeah, what we do, it's like, it's a hammer. You don't need, you don't need, we don't have to try to make the hammer screw drive. Right. I'm not about to use the hammer as a fork <laughs> to try to eat. Like, I just <laughs> need to put this nail in there. 
Is that can she can can it do that? Okay, cool. Now, if we get this right, let's now list the wins. Let's now list the perks. Let's now list how our life will change. Right. We address the the pros. We address the cons. We go on with the pros. Right. And you should always go with the pros. You can't be afraid of the cons. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) You go with the pros, bro. Don't fucking worry about the cons. Right. Don't matter how you look at that. If you stuck in the projects, go with the pros. Don't fuck with the cons. If you if you if you doing in business, go with the pros. Address the cons. Make sure the pros can outweigh and out out strategize the cons. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta reinforce the pros. You gotta have like the strategy thinking. You gotta like that's how you not only get out the projects or get out your circumstance. You change the circumstance forever with the pro mindset, right? And so, um, yeah, bro, like my shit's fearless, only not ignorant, fearless, not like uh, irresponsible, reckless, fearless, fearless after I've addressed and assessed all the risks and then pushed myself to come up with all these different types of strategic thinking uh, and creative thinking. And using your imagination, put turning your imagination all the way up to change your reality. Right. Like most folks, it's like, yo, dreams is powerful, bro. Fuck reality. This reality shit, like my reality was fucked up in the projects. Right. My dreams were so fucking well thought out that those dreams manipulated that reality. Right. It's like gravity's hardcore, right? You jump, you fall. Magnet, bitch. If I <laughs> a magnet's like, yo, fuck gravity. <laughs> a magnet walked into the room is like, yo, I heard there's a boss around here. Who is it? Right. Yo, this nigga named Gravity. A magnet's like, yo, fuck that nigga. <laughs> right. A dream That's is like analogy, man. A dream walks into a room. A dream's like, yo, who the boss around here? Motherfucker says reality. A dream's like, yo, fuck that nigga. Yo, fuck these rules. Right. And but that doesn't mean to be reckless about it. That means that doesn't mean to be uh, have an incomplete dream. Not the way, not the dream when you're sleeping though. Them dreams you have no control over. Right. The ones. There's a different ones. Why that happen while you're awake? You got control. There's a different type of dream, and not the art. And and the artist's dream is pretty dope too. But there's a different type of dream to have and to, to, to really use to like, once you wrap yourself around the, once you clothe yourself in the energy of what a dream is, you now have a cloak to turn reality in a play, to Clado, to play. You can fucking and make it do mold reality do. however the fuck you want to. Mold it. Right. Once you have the power and the essence of what a dream, what the energy of a dream. Uh, and that, that, that's a, you have to really focus to surround yourself with people that reflect that, you know, manifestation. 
If you if you fucking with folks that are on a different vibration and you try to go into a situation where you're trying to fucking uh, arm wrestle reality, right? You going you going to lose. If you try to go into a situation and you fucking with people that are on a different vibration and you try to arm wrestle gravity, you going to lose. Right, every time. You have to change your configuration so that you could go into a situation, arm wrestle reality, and be like, told you. Right. Right? Zuckerberg and them. Google and them. You know, there's a, there's a couple of folks that are like, I'm going to arm wrestle reality. I'm going to Uber dude. The idea of like, yo, where are you going? Yo, I'm going to Vegas. How you getting there? I'm a hitchhike. Nigga, you hitchhiking to Vegas? You getting in a random person's car? Uber arm wrestled reality and perception to the point where like, yo, where you going? Yo, I'm going to Venice. How you getting there? I'm getting an Uber. You get in a random person's car? Yeah, it's normal. That normal, somebody had an arm wrestle reality to change your perception. And how did they do that? They did that with math. They did that algorithmically. They did that with CPU, computer power. Right. And that, that, that CPU, that algorithm, that, mathematic, that mathematical triangulation cre- brought forth a platform and a service to where I could now get in a car with a stranger and not have to worry about it. Right. And I don't right. look like a weirdo druggy hippie hitchhiking right. on the street. And not only am I not worried about it, I know how much it's going to cost me. I know I'm safe. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it took away, it took away a lot of things that people had worried about before. Um, all right, but before we wrap this up, because um, we're going to wrap it up, uh, I just got one more thing. I remember talking to Fuzzy. I had Fuzzy on Hip Hop Confessions. Mm-hmm. And Fuzzy's Hip Hop Confession was that one day he was on the radio with him and Big Boy in LA, and he said, yo, man, uh, we should get Michael Jackson on the radio station. And Big Boy was like, all right. Like, he was like, man, you know, Will I Am be, be moving around with Mike. I'm going to call Will. And he was like, I just picked up the phone. Like, man, we got the hottest radio morning show in L.A. Man, we need to, Michael Jackson need to come up here. Like, if he, he want to be relevant, he want to talk to the folks, he need to come up here. And you was like, all right, I'm going to call you back. And he was like, when, he, when you said that, he was like, goddamn, like, Will's just talking shit like this shit ain't going to happen. Like, we're not going to ever get Michael Jackson on Power 106. Like, shit's going to never happen. And then you called back and said, yo, Mike said, can y'all be in Vegas Sunday? And he <laughs> said, what the fuck? Say, yo, Mike said, if y'all want to do the interview, like, we're going to be in Vegas Sunday, you and Big Boy should come out. And he was like, God damn, like this motherfucker Will I Am just came through with the interview of life. He cut Big Boy is on vacation. He calls Big Boy and said, Yo, Will, Will just called me and said, Mike wants to do the interview, but we got to go to Vegas. So, so Big Boy was like, All right, fuck it, we going to Vegas. So he was like, Skills, I went to Best Buy. I got a new camera with a new memory card. Like, I did not want to fuck this up. Will I am has made it so we gonna interview Michael Jackson. He said, "We get to Vegas, and 
this motherfucker just appears. Like, he just appears. He was like, when I tell you meeting Michael Jackson through the, the you know, through the, the assist of Will I Am changed my life. Because when I go to Fuzzy's office, the picture is right there. And I'm like, yeah. bro, you, you met Mike? And he was like, bro, like, through Will I Am, bro. Like, he, 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 well, if, if, if it wasn't for Will I Am, I'd have never met Michael Jackson. And he's like, I, I treasure that moment to this day. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like, like, what was that like? Just, just, just being able to pick the, pick up the phone and just hit Michael Jackson like that. So I met Mike in 2006. And, uh, He's he was an awesome dude. And if you think of like when you think of the concept of black excellence or uh black activists, mm-hmm. two people you don't think of is Michael Jackson and Prince. Right. Them cats were black activists, black excellence to it to to the the highest level of definition. The things they talked about when they when it, when you gathered around with them. Right. The, the, the things that they would school you on and make sure that you were equipped to be independent, self-sufficient, knowledgeable on, on your business, ownership. Right. And you're talking about Michael Jackson, who owned half of Sony ATV's publisher. Right. Right. And got insane. Right? And got, uh, he owned Beatles catalog, Sly and Family Stone, Little Richard's catalog and gave it back to Little Richard. Um, dude was a a business a business right. guy, and so having those conversations with Mike, starting in two thousand and six, and I think the reason why we had that friendship and that trust was he was like, "Why don't you come to Dubai? Uh, no, come to Bahrain. I, I got my studio out here." And I'd really love to work ASAP. I've been to that studio in Bahrain. It was like, it was yeah. like a place where Prince had a. Yeah, Prince Abdullah. Yeah, Prince Abdullah. We went, me and Jazzy Jeff went there. Crazy. Yeah, so then he's like, meet me in Ireland. And so when, when, when I met him in Ireland, he was like, so how do you want to fly? I was like, don't, don't worry about it. I've, I've paid myself to fly out there. Right. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't, I don't think. You should pay for me to go out there to work with you. I think too many, I was like, I think too many people are trying to take advantage of, of, of your abundance and I'll pay for myself. I'll pay. Well, what, what, what do you want your production fee? I was like, no, 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 no. You don't got to pay me. Don't, don't. I would make myself available. I'll carve time out. I fly out there myself. I put myself in a hotel. and. If 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 the time comes where we whatever we're working on turns into uh, something, turns into something, then we talk about that. Right. And as a matter of fact, you keep your vocals on your hard drive. I'll keep my music on my hard drive, and when and and uh, separate separated like that. He was like, "Oh, that's so kind of you." And so from there, we had this bond, this friendship. Right. He knew I wasn't trying to get it's him not, for something. It's yeah. not right. He knew he could trust me. So he used to, right, when he was not in uh, Las Vegas, he would record out of my house in L.A. He's like, oh, I, I, can I record out of your house? I love it. I love it there. So he would record out of my house regardless if I was there or not. He would record out of my house. We 
we became really good friends. Wow. And uh, to the point where one day Prince was performing at, in Vegas at the Palms. And Mike calls me. He's like, what time? And Black Eyed Peas, we got a show that night. And then I, after the show, I was going to go rock with Prince at the Palms. Sorry, at Rio, Club Rio. Mm-hmm. So Mike's like, what time is your show? I was like, oh, we go on at 10. At 9. He was like, oh, rats, I got to put the kids to sleep. Um, I was like, yeah, but I'm, but I'm, I'm going to be performing with Prince late at night, at, starting at uh, 11. He was like, oh, I can't go to that. I'm like, yes, you could. I mean, yeah, that'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun. It's going to be, it's a cool vibe. He was like, no, you don't understand. Prince is a meanie. We never really got along. I was like, no, Mike, like, hold on, wait, let me call up Ruth. So I called up Ruth, who used to be. He used to be like Prince's number, like right hand. Right. So I'm like, yo, yo, Ruth, Prince is, uh, Michael wants to come see me rock with Prince tonight and obviously see Prince. Um, can you, can you, can you make sure he, he's like, he's secure and like in a private section? She's like, yeah, great. Let me run it by P. So she ran it by Prince. They put him in a nice section. I'm like, yo, Mike, it's all set. Meet me at 11 o'clock. So anyways, we, I finished my show. I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm like, holy fucking shit. I'm bringing Mike to go see, to see Prince. Prince. Right? So I'm in traffic in Las Vegas, bro. Before I go into the story, I'm going to rewind back to 1998. We open up. We're on Smoke and Grooves. Black Eyed Peas be opening yep. up for Gangstar. I went to that show. Cypress Hill. Yep. You know, Wyclef, um, Maya. Public Enemy, mm-hmm. uh, MOP, Busta Rhymes, you know, it's like the dope ass, fight, our first tour. Right. So every time after we performed, then I would walk around backstage in every single freaking venue. I would go out in the audience to see the rest of the show, just absorb life. Right. Motherfuckers would call me Wyclef. Yo, Wyclef. I'm like, nigga, I ain't Wyclef. Fuck that shit. I know we look alike and shit, but nah, I ain't that nigga. That nigga older than me. <laughs> and so... I would hate it. I would hate the fact they call me Wyclef because we look alike. So I used to tell myself like, yo, I know what I got to do to be successful. I got to, I got to, it's not about the songs I write. The songs are just the songs. But the moment I realized that I've reached the level of success is when they call Wyclef Will. If I could do that, then I, I did it. <laughs> not the Grammy, not the Kiss. I have to reach a level in culture to where they call that nigga me. <laughs> so, so now, boom, back to, back to me going and rocking with uh, Prince and Michael Jackson's waiting for me. So I'm walking, I'm in, I'm in traffic. So now I'm running through freaking, I get out the car and I'm running through the freaking strip to go to Rio to go rock with Prince. And as I'm running... Dude's like, Wyclef. I'm like, oh, hell no, nigga. Like, this Wyclef can't make this connection happen. Like, so, so I'm like, fuck, I ain't made it yet. Right. <laughs> Even though I'm like bringing these two people together in a way, in my head, I didn't make it because somebody called me Wyclef. <laughs> no matter how many, at that point in time, we won four Grammys. But that wasn't it because in my head, still people call me Clef. Because we look alike. And that means if we look alike, it's like Google search. If you type in something on Google and you type in black, the word that comes after that 
is the most relevant thing being searched on Google. Right. So it doesn't matter how much money is put into that that campaign, how much, you know, it's it's relevance on mind association, psychological association. So no matter how successful Black Eyed Peas was in popular culture, the psychological association with my facial construct, my skin tone, how I was born is aligned with that dude's. Right. And that, and then nobody it's nobody's fault. It's just we look like we could be from the same fucking tribe. Wyclef, myself, Wale, who else? Um, <laughs> all, y'all w, all you, all you W ass motherfuckers. And I'm pretty Will, sure Wyclef, Wyclef Wale. And I'm pretty sure if you go to freaking Wyclef's mom, my mom, and Wale's mom, they all look like Oprah, Win- um, like like uh, like uh, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, Wyclef, let me see a picture of your mom. Wale, let me see a picture of your mom. I'm put my mama there. I bet you they all look like Whoopi. <laughs> I can't. I can't, man. So, so, so then I get there. Now I'm at the freaking show. I go straight from there. I see Mike. I rush on stage. They take Mike to his to his uh, seat. And then I, um, I, I had already been in Ireland working with him. And so when I get when I when I get off stage and I do my little freestyle, I got CeeLo in the audience. CeeLo's there. Ask CeeLo. He'll tell you the same story. Ask uh, then uh, and Chris Tucker, they were there too. They saw this magical like connection. I get there. I sit down with Mike. He was like, "That was awesome. I didn't know you rapped." I'm like, "What? You didn't know I rapped, bro? We've been together for two years." <laughs> And you didn't know I rapped. He was like, oh, I thought the other guy with the long hair was doing all the rapping. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taboo's dope too. But, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, oh damn God. it. That's shit, I really, gotta, I really gotta get my shit together. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, no, Mike man. is, uh, Mike, Mike has, has been like, uh, um, right before he passed away, um, Boom Boom Pow and I got a feeling were huge. So I remember one of the last one of the last calls I had, he's like, Will, can you send me the instrumental to your song, Boom Boom Pow? I love that. I want to put that in my show. I want to put that in my show that I'm doing in, in London. And maybe it'll be good for you guys to come out and open up for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man. So I sent him the instrumental because uh, he loved the beat. And he wanted to have it... Uh, you know, incorporated into his, to his concert. And, uh, there's a song. I haven't told anybody this one, but I have a hard drive. I was walking, I was doing a walk yesterday. Um, I walk to work every day, but the other day I was, I was walking, listening to Karis one's boom bap. Mm-hmm. And there's a song dreaming about being a blunt. Yeah. I'm a blank being smoked and I can't wake up. Right? And one of the songs that we messed around with in, in the studio in 2006 in Ireland, I was like, hey, I want to sample. I think it'd be dope, Mike, if we sampled KRS-One's I'm a Blunt Getting Smoked and sing a, better, sing a different chorus on it. And so I I I had I, I flipped the bass round around and was like doom doo doo doom doom doo doo doom doom doo doo doom doom that's how that, yeah, that, that thing yeah. just loops like that right 
So I, but I, I modulated, I changed it to like, doom, 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 It's like, it's the same type of like classic Quincy Jones, Rod Tipperton type of progression, but right. utilizing the elements of I'm a blunt and smoke. So then the chorus went, and every time I, I, I hear what we recorded, I get spooked out and sad because the lyric that we changed and it's in my hard drive upstairs, Michael saying, I'm dreaming about being in love. I'm walking around and I cannot wake up. Oh, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. Yes, I'm falling. Right. And, and, and so I, 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 I sampled, I'm a blunt in smoke, and Michael Jackson is singing, I'm dreaming about being in love, I'm floating around, and I just can't wake up. Damn. So I, I, I have that recording of, uh, of Mike, and I'm just like, wow. I'm never going to put that out. Right. Um, because... Mike was like so meticulous on finishing a song. Like one of the things that we, that we did do together was the remix of PYT and in the remix of um, the girl is mine. Right. And doing those remixes, it was me and Mike in my house. And he's like, you know, turn that up to it. He's like a producer. He uh, like a hands-on. Yeah. You learn from editing, bro. So I could never put those records out that we recorded because they a Michael Jackson record, completion is Michael Jackson's hands in the mix to complete it. Right. But every yeah, time I hear, sure. I, I hear that, like, and how he passed, not waking up from that uh, drip right. therapy that he had. Um, yeah, I miss that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, man. I thank you so much, man. This this turned out to be an amazing interview. I thank you for taking the time. I know we have been trying to get it locked down for a second. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for being patient on the technical stuff. I, I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, I'm supposed to be all tech wizard out. I'm looking like freaking Teddy Riley at the freaking... <laughs> at the verses. <laughs> like... No, man, you already know what it is, man. Listen, bro, I appreciate you, man. Uh, y'all can follow him at, at Will I Am on everything, I'm guessing. You know what I'm saying? I am I Will. I am, I am Will. Will. At, at I am Will. Make sure you check out the Angel Foundation, the uh, the the, the, the Supermass. Am I saying that right? The Supermass? Yeah, Supermass super with an X. Supermass with an X. Make sure you grab those ill-ass, ill-ass mask. And um, yeah, shout out Taboo and Atman and the whole squad, man. And, um, you know, I, I definitely got to come check you, man. I I didn't even know you was in town. I don't know where I would think you would be, but I'm right. I'm not even too far from the studio and shit. So I definitely. Oh, what you you in LA? Yeah, I live out here. Oh shit. Okay, well, let's connect, bro. I want to show you this other thing that I'm that I'm working on, that uh, it'll come out later this year. I think uh, has a, a a massive chance to be transformational. Um, but I want to I want to show it to you. Check okay, it out for sure. I will pull up on you. I definitely. I hit you. All right, bro. Thanks, man. Y'all know what this is. Well, I am. This is Hip Hop Confessions, because everybody got one.
Peace. Here's a little story that must be told. And it goes a little something like this. this, this.